Hi again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome back to the Magic of Airy broadcast, brought to you by MagicofAerie.com. Last time, our heroes ventured off to the Temple of Arcana, where Steve had to meet with the three sisters. But their progress was hindered by a strange creature, the Rock Lobster, part giant bird, part giant lobster. Zeroth and Uncle Shameless worked out a plan to distract the beast, which Uncle Shameless promptly forgot due to his elder cherry wine. To stay updated, you can like the podcast on Facebook, or you can follow it on Twitter at MOE Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Hogan. And now, the next wonderful episode of The Magic of Airy. Episode number 33 Wrath of the Rock Lobster. I think you made it mad, Steve said to Zeroth after the hunter cut off part of one of the rock lobster's tendrils. The beast roared as it tried to impale the trio with its spidery legs. Gladius began mumbling. Zeroth gave the silver swordfish a squeeze, retracting its tongue. Way to go, genius. What are you going to do next, insulted mother? If you ask me, I think... I still want to know why you didn't swim away. All you've done is complain since Istrio gave you to Zeroth. I figured this would be your big chance to escape. <laughs> I ain't a-going nowhere. You stuck with me, like it or not. Besides, uh... Your common swordfish like yours is cowards anyway. They don't have the steel courage that I... Look out! Gladius screamed as a large lobster claw swung into Zeroth, knocking him back through the water and forcing Gladius out of his clawed hand. Help! Gladius pleaded from the seafloor. What do you mean, help? You're a fish. I can't swim. A fish that can't swim? What's next? As Eric kicked her way through the water to help Zeroth up, Steve swam down and picked up Gladius. The boy turned to see the rock lobster only a few feet away. Steve squeezed Gladius to extend its blade with a loud blah and held the sword in a threatening manner. Of course, had Steve been holding Gladius correctly instead of upside down, it would have been threatening. Instead, it was just plain silly. The rock lobster reared up on its back legs and roared a battle cry that sounded like a whale that had been smoking for years. Its intact mouth tendril shot out at Steve like a huge bullwhip and pushed Steve down to the ground so that he was laying flat. The boy fought against the leathery tendril, but it held him fast to the seafloor. The mythic beast leaned close to Steve so that its huge beak was only inches away. It tilted its head and studied Steve with one of its glowing yellow eyes. The rock lobster brought its head back as it roared again and sent a crushing lobster claw down at the helpless boy. As Steve watched the enormous jagged claw fall out, he was glad he was underwater because he was certain he had just wet himself. The next second or so for Steve felt more like ten minutes. The rock lobster's claw hurled down toward him, intent on putting an end to his quest. Steve thought of his home, his parents, and... Even Uncle Shameless. If they just sent me to computer camp, none of this would have happened, Steve thought aloud, remembering the argument he had had with his parents about spending the summer in River City with Uncle Shameless. The frightened 13-year-old glanced up at the rock lobster's claw in time to see a plaid-colored torpedo dash its way through the water over him and stop the claw only a few feet above his body. Pick someone your own size. Steve looked up to see Uncle Shameless above him, holding apart the giant lobster pinchers so that they formed a giant U. The rock lobster roared at this intrusion, to which Uncle Shameless replied by pushing up the creature's arm with all of his elder cherry wine-induced strength. The force of this caused the rock lobster to lose its footing in the sand and sent it floating back several yards. Uncle Shameless crashed into the rock lobster with such force that it was knocked onto its back. He then proceeded to wrestle the creature. 
I'll handle this guy, Uncle Shameless shouted as he rained thundering blows down upon the rock lobster. Get lost! Hurry, Zeroth ordered. After Aira helped him up so he could swim, she swam quickly to Steve, grabbed him, and they both began swimming for the now unprotected Temple of Arcana. I'll take that, Zeroth said, reaching for Gladius. He gave the silver swordfish to squeeze, causing the hilt-shaped creature to draw its deadly tongue back in with a loud slurp. Thank you, said Gladius, grateful to be away from Steve. Couldn't stand another minute with him. He was holding me backwards for Zah's sake. Zeroth ignored his annoying weapon and tucked it away inside his cloak. The two bird people and the boys swam toward the Temple of Arcana as the sounds of Uncle Shameless's clash with the rock lobster echoed around them. Uncle Shameless was thankful for the extraordinary strength he had on Aerie, due to the elder cherry wine. Otherwise, he knew that the rock lobster would have made short work of him a long time ago. Uncle Shameless worked his way onto the creature's back by grabbing handfuls of feathers, which only irritated the creature more. Uncle Shameless tried to get his hands around the creature's neck, but was unsuccessful because its neck was the size of a tree trunk. The rock lobster rolled around in the water, trying in vain to shake Uncle Shameless loose. Ha! You'll have to do better than that! As if answering the challenge, the rock lobster spun upside down and dragged it back along the sandy seabed. <laughs> Uncle Shameless sputtered with a mouthful of sand. That's dirty pool. Uncle Shameless yelled as the rock lobster continued swimming upside down across the sand. Uncle Shameless started crawling from the upside down creature's neck until he was standing on its chest. Since the rock lobster was so large, it could not look down to see Uncle Shameless, and was caught off guard when the man drove at its large beak. With all his might, Uncle Shameless shot himself with the large beak and tackled it. The rock lobster's head was driven into the sandy seafloor until it was almost completely submerged in sand. The rock lobster's body flailed about as it fought to get free, but it could not get any leverage due to it being upside down. That's right! Uncle Shameless taunted in a bragging manner as he continued to hold the creature's head against the sandy seafloor. Uncle Shameless gathered all of his might and lifted the creature's head out of the sand, and he bellowed. Had enough? The rock lobster only roared and continued flailing about. Guess not! Uncle Shameless yelled as he pushed the creature's head back into the sand. A few moments later, Uncle Shameless once again freed the feathery head from its sandy prison. How about now? Again, the rock lobster answered with a loud roar. Uncle Shameless shook his head and pushed the creature's head back into the sand. Talk about stubborn. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan. Copies of the original novel can be purchased through magicofairy.com and amazon.com. You can also download a PDF of the entire novel for only $3.75. Visit magicofairy.com for more details. What is he doing to that thing? Steve asked as he glanced back at Uncle Shameless while frantically swimming toward the Temple of Arcana. I'd rather not think about it. Steve agreed and continued swimming alongside Era, who was easily the best swimmer in the group. Even as she hung on to Steve with one hand, she cut through the water with stunning expertise. It reminded Steve of the day she saved Uncle Shameless and himself from drowning. With the rock lobster detained by Uncle Shameless, the three adventurers had no problem crossing the barren sandy field that was between them and the Temple of Arcana. The temple looked ancient, even older than the stone buildings in Mininat. The building was egg-shaped with a high, domed roof. A covered entryway extended out from the front of the temple, supported by chipped and worn stone columns. In the center of each of the columns was a figure carved out of the rock with its hands above its head, supporting the weight of the rest of the column. 
Seven columns filled each row and followed the same patterns of figures. First, two worms, then two humans, followed by two blue hands, and lastly, a single owl person on each side, right by the large stone door. The last figures intrigued Steve, as he yet to see any owl people while in Airy. The trio floated under the entryway and stopped in front of the main door. It was easily twenty feet high and made of very thick rock. Um, now what? Zeroth shrugged, as did Era. Steve swam over to the large stone door and knocked against the hard surface. Hello? Discouraged, Steve turned to the others. Well, that's just dandy. We go through all the hassle to get here, and we can't even get in. I'm sure there is a way. Yeah, we were sent here for a reason. Let's just look around. Steve sighed and rolled his eyes as he looked around the entryway for some hint of a way into the mysterious temple. Zeroth began inspecting the various statues in the columns, and Era began to study the door. Steve floated around, dispirited. His eyes fell to a stone sandbox in the center of the roofed entryway to the temple. He swam over to the unnatural-looking sandbox to examine it in more detail. The sand in the sandbox was not like the sand on the sea floor. It was pure white, almost snow-like. Steve noticed that any lines or shapes he made in the sand stayed in place, even though the sand was underwater. Weird. As Steve floated over the edge, he saw an oddly shaped stone sticking out a few inches above the rest. He swam down to it and inspected it with more care. There was a hole cut in the center of the rock, and it was filled with sand from the seafloor. Steve reached down and brushed out the hole, revealing its true shape. What is this? He said aloud as he looked at the odd shape. It was indented, as if something were to be placed inside. Steve turned his head and looked at the shape upside down. His eyes widened. He had seen the shape before. Zeroth and Era joined the confused teenager by the stone sandbox. Steve pointed to his discovery. Zeroth cocked his head and peered down. Looks like a hole. Very good. What is it for? Don't know. But what I do know is that this... He pulled out his blue heron amulet and held it up. Fits into that. He pointed to the jagged hole that was a perfect outline of the amulet. Steve took off the amulet and kneeled down next to the hole gently placed the amulet inside the indentation. It fit snugly. So, now what do we do? Asked Steve. Both Era and Zeroth shrugged, neither having the slightest idea. Suddenly, the amulet began glowing a bright blue light. And before the trio could react, they were completely bathed in a peculiar blue glow. Steve cried in alarm, not knowing what to expect. In the distance, a series of rumbles sounded and began moving toward the temple. Ah, crumbs! It better not be that rock-lobster thing coming after us. In a flash, the temple and the companions were hit by a powerful underwater current. Zeroth, Era, and Steve were knocked back through the water and saved themselves by grabbing onto whatever they could find. Steve looked in the direction of the rumbling and saw three bright blue blurs traveling through the water. Now what? The powerful currents continued as the three blurs grew closer and closer. Steve felt as if he was going to be dragged off by the current and tightened his grip on a nearby statue. Sand began blowing into his face, making it hard to see. For the first time, he was thankful for the lungfish on his nose, which let him breathe without inhaling sand. He then realized the absurdity of such a statement, being underwater and such. Look! Zeroth yelled, pointing to the area just in front of the temple's entryway. Steve squinted his eyes in the swirling sandstorm and saw three small cyclones. Oh, marvelous. Three cyclones grew larger and larger until they were around eight feet tall. They came to a stop just before the covered entryway of the Temple of Arcana and spun in place. I don't like this. 
Steve said as the cyclones began spinning faster and faster until they were nothing more than blurs of sand and blue light. As the cyclone spun, an odd sound filled the companion's ears. It sounded like low chanting and a choir going, Ah, in unison. The cyclones began glowing blue. Steve's eyes widened. The three cyclones suddenly exploded into huge flashes of blue light, blinding Steve and the others for their brightness. Steve kept blinking until his vision returned. He glanced over at Era and Zero to see if they were also okay. Steve noticed the whole area was blanketed in shimmering blue light. He slowly turned his head toward where the three cyclones had been. His jaw dropped. Hovering in the water were three very tall, very ghostly visages of blue herons, dressed in the same robes as Istrio. But these three looked different from Istrio. They were all female. Their arms were crossed over their chest. They looked at Steve with blank, glowing eyes. Steve remembered this time not to throw any rocks. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. Um, hello? You are the boy. Finished the third in a voice just like the others. Yeah. Steve said reluctantly. He hated being called the boy. So it was, foreseen by us, that the... Started the last blue heron, before being cut off by Steve. Okay, look, I hate to be a killjoy, but I really can't handle the three of you talking like that. That Geo guy had been bad enough with his questions. Steve said. There was no way he was going to put up another long-winded story split up between three talkers. So can we just skip all the -the over-the-top dramatic stuff and just get down to brass tacks? The three blue heron mystics looked at each other, and then looked at Steve. Fine by me. Ditto. Yes, that'll work just fine. Good. I'm sure you're all really busy. Well, not really. Started one of the ghostly blue herons. We've actually been asleep for... Yeah, okay. And I'd like to get things moving along, because I really want to get this lungfish off my face. One of the blue heron sisters smiled. Very well. Let's get right to it, right to it, right to it. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Airy. Make sure to join us again next time. What will the three sisters tell Steve? Will he finally get into the Temple of Arcana? Will Uncle Seamus survive his fight with the Rock Lobster? Find out in the next thrilling episode of The Magic of Airy. Copyright date of this episode was September 21st, 2010. Help support this free podcast by using the PayPal donate button on the website or by buying a copy of the original novel. Magic of Airy Podcast by Daniel J. Hogan and Scary Dice Productions is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States license. This only applies to the podcast and not the original novel. Feel free to share this podcast. The Magic of Airy, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And as always, thanks for listening.